It's a Saturday. It is. We've never done a weekend before. We've never done a podcast in the morning before either. We haven't, have we? No, because normally guys, well, listener, we do it on an evening, Wednesday, Thursday evening. Mm. They're, they're about to put out on Monday, but no, I couldn't make it this week, um, which I will mention why at some point later does sort of sort of weave its way into it <laughs> what have you been watching anyway well we actually we've we've seen something haven't we we took kenny to the cinema didn't we we Robert did came as well yeah we watched the marvels i loved it i really enjoyed I, it i absolutely really enjoyed it and the absolute negativity is it's all associated with complete and utter rubbish there's no reason for the. Do you, do you know what I mean? I get mm. people who are just not a big fan of MCU, and I get some of the reviews of saying, do you know what, MCU, a bit over bloated, it's, it's not that original, blah, blah, blah. I get that. But the people who love comics and are just hating for the sake of hating. Yeah, and I think people, funny enough, Stephen King tweeted this week about. He's not into comic book movies, not really a big fan, but even he is like a little bit astounded and taken back by the amount of attack and it's getting and people enjoying the fact that it's not making a lot of money. Yeah, I don't, really get, odd, I don't get that either. I don't see how that does anyone any good. But I think Scorsese obviously has played a little bit of a part, hasn't he? Because he's come out. I went to see um, Killers of the Flower Moon. Oh, yeah. Um, it's a good like three and a half hours. I'd say the first 90 minutes are excellent. Yeah. And as good and as fast-paced as kind of Goodfellas, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And the second half is really confusing. It doesn't know whether it wants to be a drama or a courtroom drama. And I think it drags out. Just it's a really, it's a really it's don't good. get me wrong. It's, it's still a really, Martin Scorsese film, which is you, better than got, most people. Yeah, I think you've got to watch it. It's a really good film. But it didn't need to be three-odd yeah, I think I think so he's, I've watched two contrasting films. I've watched the Marvels at the cinema, and which is quite that. lean in in time as well, isn't it? I think it's one, one of the shortest, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Which I thought it worked really well, and I like the way that Samuel Jackson's character in this one was a little bit more playful because mm. we've just watched the the Invasion series, which is okay, and it sort of some of it leads in from that, but his. His persona is a little bit more playful in this one because it goes mm-hmm. in with the film. I, I I really enjoyed it and I think the the young lady I will keep forgetting her name. It plays the young Miss Marvel. Yeah. yeah. Oh, she's amazing. She's she's the best thing in it. She was the best thing in the obviously in that. Yeah. Series I I think the Marvel the the series Miss Marvel was probably one of the best Marvel series mm. yet for me. From, from my... I do understand... People, and that's just my opinion. I do understand people getting the fatigue because... Oh, definitely. There is so many shows and so and obviously the, with the movies on top. But I think it looks like, currently anyway, next year, Deadpool 3 is the only one on the slate. Yeah. And the, But then I think there's like five movies currently all pushed into 2025. Yeah, they're all getting sort of... So it'll be interesting. I mean, Deadpool, I think, will make money Yeah. regardless. I think people yeah, will yeah. go see it regardless it, it, of the reviews. <laughs> It appeals to non-MCU people as well because it's mm. it's quite funny. What else has he seen? I watched a couple of documentaries. Oh, you mentioned this before. So I watched the Sly on oh, Netflix. The, yeah, the Sylvester Sloan one. That is just a one-off, like ninety-minute um, special. I never realised how um, the relationship with his dad 
his dad was quite like violent and volatile. And, no, I didn't know that. And no. his mum and dad split up when they were quite young. And his brother, I think it's his Frank. Frank went with his mum, and Sly stayed with his dad. But what was really weird about it was, his dad was so competitive with him, even at like an early age. And then even when Sly gets older, and he's famous, and obviously he's wrote Rocky and stuff, his dad starts trying to write a movie script to compete. And it's like, That's weird. there's a scene where his dad knocks him off a horse playing polo when they're not kids this is when like again yeah. slides at like the height of his fame his dad like purposely knocks him off um, this horse in a, in a polo game and after that Stallone sells all his horses and never plays polo again it's such a weird, weird. relationship really, yeah. but the documentary is like really gripping good. and what I really enjoyed as well uh, not being a Man United fan but I watched the Beckham documentary which is a four part one Jackie watched his she loved you know it what? as well yeah it's pretty like Phenomenal, to be honest. The the he, second episode, which is all around him getting sent yeah. off in the World Cup and the aftermath of the it, aftermath, yeah. is just as shocking as any as shocking as any documentary Those you'll watch. Two, Victoria and David, we, we're just so intertwined of our not quite childhood. I think we were already it's the pop culture of yeah, us growing up, wasn't our, it? Our, our um, teenage and twenties, and mm. they were just so interwined. They, they were like the most prominent celebrities in the world, and they still are. They, they, mm. You know, so yeah. No, I, I haven't watched it. Yeah, I have watched something, and it's been a long time since I've seen it. Ocean's Eleven. Oh, it's a great film. That. Oh, really good. It's been a long time since. I'm going to go back because I've never seen Twelve. Or 13. I know they're a bit, mm, but I feel like now I'm in. They do degrade a little bit as the movies yeah. go on. But I didn't get on to the fact that Carl Reiner plays Saul. He is, he's in it, yeah. And he's really. And also, Rob Kahn's in it. And I didn't put together Rob Kahn is James Kahn's son. I love James Kahn. Are you his number one fan? Welcome to Watch It If You Can. My name is Liam. My name's Dave. This podcast is all about box sets we've created of our favourite films and TV shows. Some you've seen, some you haven't, and others you may never want to watch. However, we can say, if you've never seen Monsters, Inc., we have a 2319. We have a 2319! All we want to do is chat on about these films and TV shows we love so dearly, and maybe, just maybe... You should watch it if you can. Dave, Liam, how are you? I'm good, yeah, I'm good. I'm warm now. We are lovely, toasty warm. Just, we had no central heating or hot water in the house for a few days this week. And Dave heroically came round with a little electric fan heater. Oh, <laughs> you were so loved that night, Dave. <laughs> you were a little hero. We're going to talk about something that's quite cold. Is that what you were going to mention? 
Well, I didn't know. I didn't actually put that one that link together. But oh, yes. right, okay. So on with the Rob Reiner box set. As you know, this box set is all about Rob Reiner films. We've got eight films, and come the end of it, we're going to do a little special episode where we do a little battle runoff and find out which is the best Rob Reiner movie according to Dave and Liam. It's just our opinions. Anyway, Dave, what are your Rob Reiner facts for this week? Some things you might not have known about Rob Reiner. He is the eldest of three. He's got a brother called Lucas and a sister called Annie. Oh. As well as playing the dad in New Girl, which we mentioned on the last episode, he also played Leonardo DiCaprio's dad in The Wolf of Wall Street. And away from the camera, he campaigns for education and healthcare, but he did direct a TV documentary called I Am Your Child in 1997. Great stuff. He's meant to be a lovely guy off... Off camera, behind the scenes, he's just we just love Rob Reiner. All right then, Dave. In the Rob Reiner box set, what Rob Reiner film have you picked this week? I have gone with Misery. Oh, Dave, you dirty birdie! <laughs> <laughs> I've been dying to cue that one up. <laughs> right, Misery, great stuff. Tell us about it. So it's based on the Stephen King book of the same name and came out in 1990. It's a psychological thriller and it's about an author called Paul Sheldon who, after a crash, he's pulled to safety by a lady who then claims to be his number one fan. They're snowed in at an isolated cabin, Paul's too injured to move and Annie, who rescues him, is a former nurse who then takes care of him, helps to start to heal. But all is not what it seems. The book itself is from Stephen King and it's about his own substance addiction. And Annie represents his dependency on drugs and the impact on his body and how he felt alone. And he only kind of came out with that like way after it, it all came out. But yeah, we've gone with Misery this week. Oh, great stuff. So why did you pick Misery, Dave? So obviously it's the Bob Reiner box set and you weren't going to do the horror one. No, I just, I'm just going to put it out there now. I don't like horror films. <laughs> don't like- Is it a horror though? It's a horror suspense thriller. It's a psychological thriller. Do you know what? Right. If I see a film where there's just like loads of slashing and stabbing and gore, it doesn't bother me. Mm. It's it's the suspense bit. The bit that nearly (laughs) happens, but nearly like, you know, where he's trying to get back into his room when he first goes out in the wheelchair. That's I'm like, I can't do it. I, I I get no enjoyment out of it whatsoever. So why did you pick it? So it's the complete opposite of anything we've seen from Rob Reiner. It's obviously got two great performances. The, the story itself, I like the, the, mm. the concept of the story. I do enjoy a good, and I think it is a psychological film as opposed to, a, to a, an actual horror, but films like Seven, Identity, Parasite and Memento, they're all right up my kind of street. But the bit I don't struggle with is the tenseness. I struggle with realistic violence. So I can watch, like, I can watch Arnie, like, throw someone off a cliff. Yeah. Or Sly, as we mentioned before. I can watch him knife a million people. But when it comes to that realistic violence, I think that's what makes it more tense for me. And it adds that extra, like, level of intensity. I just think anything where... It, I think something like like this is England. Have you ever seen that? Like yeah, 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 yeah. I know it's. I know it's, it's real people, meaning, yeah. real violence, and and I don't see this as like a horror horror. It's just it is that psychological film. But it's the, 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 when the violence happens, mm. it, it's it's off the scale, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. There's a few incidents in the film, and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about the main one at some point. Yeah. So, how much of this bit's true? 
I don't know because we know what the the internet is like. Yeah, but well, like, like you know, the internet's our source for most things. Like it is, so we, you take it with a pinch of salt. Yeah, so take this with a pinch of salt. But the part of Sheldon was originally offered to William Hurt, mm. great actors, sadly now passed away. Kevin Klein, Michael Douglas, Harrison Ford, Dustin Hoffman, and Robert De Niro were offered it as well. Kevin as... Klein would have been an interesting one because he was he mm. was he was sort of this was at his peak around his time as well, wasn't it? Yeah, he's he's a great actor, isn't he? Al Pacino, Richard Dreyfuss, Gene Hackman, and Robert Redford apparently. I'd imagine Dreyfuss would have been involved in a conversation with him yeah. and Reiner's relationship. Jack Nicholson apparently another one. Apparently, he did turn it down because he didn't want to do another. Because he'd already done to the Shining, Shining, yeah. So Warren Beatty apparently was really close, but then he ended up making Dick Tracy at the same time. That's right. So they're all interesting choices, and we're going to talk about who is in it, who was nearly uh, the character of Annie, Angelica Houston, and Bette Midler was offered it, both turned it down. Bette Midler apparently said she regretted it, obviously, after seeing the film. Yeah. So there's some of the people that were nearly in it, and again, you know, that's all Hollywood gossip, that, isn't it? It, it is. I wanted to have a, a little chat at this point mm. in the fact that of all the eight Rob Reiner films we're doing this one is complete standalone out this is this is Rob Reiner at his most stylistic and what I mean by that is it's it's a it's a horror suspense thriller and he's you can tell he literally watched every Hitchcock film before oh, he yeah. made this so Normally his style of directing is, is quite classical. You know, he lets the actors act. He doesn't do anything too dramatic with camera work or scenes or settings. And But this is, he's like, some of the shots of what the setup and the slight angles of them. And when Annie's talking, she's standing over the camera and the camera's mm-hmm. looking up to give that perspective. It's, I, I, I think... Out of all of them, it's it's the most standalone one of all the ones we picked. Yeah, it's and he's such an odd choice, really, isn't he, to to direct it? I don't know how it came about. Yeah. I didn't read that that into that background, but if you were sitting there and you had the rights to the Stephen King novel Misery, the first name that jumps in your head would not be. Shall we go to Bob Reiner? I, I, I think <laughs> it goes all the way back to. Is handling or stand by me because I think mm. Stephen King yeah. was pretty adamant that after he saw what Rob Reiner did of Stand By Me, I'm sure there was a mm. you know deep, 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 a little bit of history there. Who's actually in Misery, Dave? Okay, so James Khan, who sadly passed away in July of last year, is our is our writer Paul. Apparently, I read that again. All internet rumours, but apparently turned up hungover one day, and all of his scenes were unusable. And when he found out, he did offer to to pay and cover the cover the costs. But everyone will know him as Sonny Corleone in The Godfather. Yeah. It's probably what he's most famous for. I well, it's probably what he's most famous for. I'd say for people maybe our age and older. I'd probably say for anyone younger than us, it's Elf. Elf, yeah, I forget about. I've got. I think James Con. I think of El Dorado because I love westerns. He's, mm. he's quite young and that. And Rollerball. Rollerball was like huge at the time. Oh, when it? we like when we were kids, it was like it was a bonkers film. It's still good, and he's also he pops up in Mickey Blue Eyes as well. I've got that. So, my couple of actual recommendations are a thief, 
from 1981. I haven't seen that one yet. Mickey Blue Eyes was on there. But again, I put Mickey Blue Eyes on because we always try and get in. We Hugh love, Grant yeah, we love you. It's not, it's not even the best Hugh Grant <laughs> no, film. It's not, it's not. But it's <laughs> but just Hugh Grant. Them two together. And one I've mentioned a couple of times already because Mandy Patinkin's in it, Alien Nation, which I you've never seen. seen. That. It's nope. from uh, 1988. I love Alien Nation. It's been a long time since I've seen it. And it even had a TV spin-off. But that that's my recommendation. But yeah, we I think... The majority of people know him from The Godfather, but I think definitely for kids now, he's, he's Elf. It's Elf, I God, he was in that. Is he? Yeah. He's the he's, he's the um, the businessman. Is the, he's his dad? Isn't his dad, yeah. yeah. I I have to. Do you know what? I'll be honest with you. It's been I haven't seen Elf in a long time. Oh, I have seen it, but I think I'll probably watch. It. I think I try to avoid it because it it seems to be. But I do love welfare also. Anyway, who else is in there? So uh, Annie is played by Kathy Bates. Again, probably most famous maybe for Titanic. Mm. I think a lot of people will know him from that. Also in Fire Green Tomatoes. Recently in Richard Jewell in 2019. A lot of people know from American Horror Story, the TV series. Yeah. She was Fred Claus. She's done a Christmas movie Yeah. Um, in 2007. What I didn't know was she plays the ghost of Charlie's character in an episode of Two and a Half Men. She plays the Charlie Sheen. That's interesting. I never knew that. No. Um, and then Stephen King obviously loved after seeing this, and he wrote the novel Dolores uh, Dolores Claiborne yeah. with her in mind, and she did then star in the movie in 1995. I was looking at Kathy Bates' filmography, and it's impressive. She's done like if you couple of early things, and it, this takes me back to being a kid. Love both and Cagney and Lacey. She popped up in, do you remember? remember she Lacey, yeah. She's also been, she was also in Dick Tracy as well, along with a couple in this film. I think a couple of Pacino was in it, and yeah. obviously one BT was nearly yeah, in the yeah. film. Yeah, So there's a few links. Fry Green Tomatoes with Stop Cafe is an amazing film. Obviously, mm. Titanic's a big one, but you forget she's in Waterboy as well. She's also in About Schmitty, Jack Nicholson. She's in. A series of Six Feet Under. Did you ever watch that? I've never seen Six Feet Under. Oh, it's, it's Alan Ball who went on to do True Blood. And Michael C. Hall's in it as yes, well, isn't he? He's, but she directed about five she directed about five episodes oh, of it. So she's she's done a bit of directing. She's also she voiced character in Charlotte's Web, which I love that film. It's been a while since I've seen her. <laughs> I forgot she's in a blind side as well, the Sandra Bullock one. I don't think I've seen that. It's a lot of controversy at that, that the minute, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I've, I've, I was reading about that. I, I really like the film. She's also brilliant. She's in the last couple of seasons of the US Office, which she's fantastic in, which I'm a massive Office fan. And I really want to see, she's got a new film out at the moment, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Looks fantastic. It's a recent one. So that's, that's on my list to watch at the moment. So, Lauren and Bacall is in it. She was just a huge star from the 1940s and right onwards. She was married to Humphrey Bogart. They did The Big Sleep together in 1946. She did star with Marilyn Monroe as well in How to Marry a Millionaire yeah. in 1953. She made on the Orient Express in 1974. She's just one of the biggest movie stars of of, of, of all those eras, really. Definitely, definitely. Modern day, though, I think... Me and you especially will know from she does have one of the voices in Hal's Moving Castle, which we mentioned because yeah. Billy Crystal is also yes, in Hal's yeah. Moving yeah, Castle as well. Right, yeah. So just a couple of honourable mentions then. Richard Farnsworth, who plays the sheriff, 
he is also being in a film with Jack Nicholson. He was in The Two Jakes. We've got Francis uh, Steinhagen. Which is a sort of sequel to Chinatown. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Francis Steinhagen is Cliff's mum in Cheers. That's right. I had down in Cheers and I was trying to picture her because I could see her face and I was trying to think, mm. it's of course, yes, Cliff's mum. So yeah. I think I mentioned this on a, a, a couple of the... Um, the intros to the shows. I'm, I'm currently watching Cheers. I'm on like series nine. So as soon as she come on, I was like, "God, yeah, it's um, it's Cliff's mum." Honorable mention for JT Walsh just pops up in just one scene as a state trooper. We talked about him um, yeah. when we talked about a few good men, and Bob Ryan himself pops up, doesn't he? He's he the does, yeah. he's a helicopter pilot in it as well. Very small cast overall. He does. I just going back to Frances Sternhagen. I. She's in Doc Hollywood, which I think is a really good film. The Michael J. Fox. Yes. We mentioned yeah. that, yeah. Yeah, I think it gets overlooked. Also, we don't normally mention the director of photography or the cinematographer, mm. but I didn't... It was when the credits were coming up. It's Barry Sonnenfeld, who, as a DOP, before this, he did Raising Arizona. Amazing. Big. When Harry Met Sally... Miller's Crossing, which is one of Coen mm. Brothers' first big one, and then this, and then the following year he directed The Adams Family, and then he also did The Concierge, which I think is a great Michael J. Fox film as well, which is quite often overlooked where he plays. I don't remember that. If you've not seen Concierge, he plays a concierge in a hotel, and he's like a Mr. Fix-It. And then he went on to do Get Shorty and Men in Black. So I was like... And, but it, what was really interesting was he did... He was a director of photography for a couple of years leading up to Misery. Mm. And then obviously the next year he went and, went and started directing. So it just be interesting to, if we ever get a chance to speak to Barry, how much of an influence was Rob Reiner? I'm guessing he was already wanting to be a director. Mm. And then Rob Reiner rings him up and goes, do Misery. He's like, yeah, all right, I'm in. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I'm and like, then after that he goes on. Yeah, himself. and has a great career of... You know, quite a similar type of director. Do you know what I mean? Mm. He's not not overly stylistic or something, but he just just do good films. It'll be really interesting. All right then, Dave. Performance or character? What's your pick from Misery? So I was gonna go with Misery the Pig, obviously, <laughs> as being my favourite character in the whole movie. But she's brilliant. She's like. But you've got to go performance-wise. It's it's Kathy Bates, isn't it? It is, As Annie yeah. Wilkes. Um, so apparently Hair and Khan did clash a bit because she's got that theatre background and likes to rehearse. And he likes to sort of rehearse as little as possible. So when she did speak to Bob Bryan about it, what he did, what he said was use that frustration in, yeah. in the character. So that little clash between those those two off, off screen probably helped the performance. It is an amazing performance. And as the film unravels, I think you just realise how crazy she really is in between those initial car car scenes yeah um but it's not really i think for me anyway it's not really until paul finds that scrapbook yeah and you see all the crimes that she's been accused of and sort of potentially committed down the years and been getting away with it as well that you realize like this isn't a one-off event because i think when you're watching the film you just think yeah but she's crazy she's his fan this is she's just gone off the rails but I think once you know a bit more about the history of their characters the film unravels I think it's a great performance it's a great character um, Annie Wilkes was ranked number 17 in AFI's 100 Years 100 Heroes and Villains 
I can see that. Totally see yeah. that. And she did win the Oscar in 1991 it's, as well. It's such a memorable performance. It's a career-defining performance. Mm. And again, how often do we say that with Rob Reiner films? It's mm. actors' career-defining roles. So there's something in there, like, this is what... I just, I just don't think Rob Reiner gets the recognition he deserves as director. So he gets the best out of people. So, but, Rob, you get a box set from us, <laughs> so what more do you want? It's way better than any Oscar. I know, it is Oscar when you got a box set named after you. From two I, scalps blokes. Yeah. <laughs> I knew you were going to be with an Annie because, let's yeah. be honest, I it was it was the roles were flipped. And I was in your seat, I would have picked Danny for best performance. So, as a presenter, I went with Paul. Because I Fair. just, you know, to make a little bit more interesting, otherwise, just me and me going, oh, yes, yeah, Dave, yeah, I agree, I agree. I, and more tried to think about it was like what it was about Paul Sheldon character. And what was really interesting thing about it, it's James Conn, he's like, he's a hulk of a man, he's, he's the essence of masculinity, do, do you know what I mean? You think of his roles he's done previously and the look on him, he's very strong looking and yet this film is it's all about his vulnerability, isn't it? He's he's in that he's being cared for and I think that's that's what makes this film just that just the creepiness and the psychological mm. sort of warfare between because it is flipped between the male and the female which it just I just think makes it all more slightly disturbing so I, I've got a question I was going to ask you later but I'll ask you now because you you picked him so what I was going to discuss was is the James Calm character scared enough because I seen a review and the review and I don't agree with it said he's terribly miscast so what they argued was that in the book, it's a lot more, the, you know, the way she sort of torture him stuff, he is a lot more scared. But I think once you cast James Khan, you've got that, like, tough guy view then, haven't you? And if you're watching the film, it, he's not scared. He's just really annoyed. Yeah. He's just really annoyed that this is happening to him. And I think having James Khan though, makes that, fight and the death scene at the end yeah. more realistic than having someone like let's say Richard Dreyfus or someone a little bit softer with Tom yeah, Hanks or whatever definitely. because I think with James Khan you could see he, he probably got that violence in and you wouldn't want to mess with all, him you can see him always trying to and obviously it's based on the story and I think maybe that's where Rob Ryan said no this is this I'm going to go a slightly different route with the character mm. and, and I've never read the book so I don't know I'm too much of a scared cat to read anything by Stephen King because <laughs> I'd be literally reading in the dark, be like, nah, not having that. I I think it had an amazing twist on mm. it because of who he is. He's because he's a big fella, he's a good looking fella. He is he's he's a masculine movie star. Mm. And you've got and like I said, all the scenes you've got of every every time Annie comes in, the camera angle's low and she's leaning over. You see a lot of lot of Annie leaning over looking at him. And it just, it just flips those those gender roles, which is complete opposite to how most horror films go. The female is always the victim, and I think when you mentioned always being chased, always being chased, it's always like it's always you know the man is always in control, blah blah blah. And I think what's so interesting is wasn't it like Kathy Bates was the first female who'd won an Oscar for like a, a 
the sort of horror stroke thriller suspense film because they just women were just ones for just to be chased in a film which as this she just said well no I, and mm. it's just an amazing I, I, I read the, re- the, the review and I didn't agree with it I, I think it, it works for all the reasons you've just said I think if you had an actor who was not as kind of strong and powerful sort of as as he potentially is in, in the film I just think those particularly the, the end scene wouldn't be as gripping because you you sort of think like James Khan's getting ready to get out of here. Yeah, yeah. He, he's so wound up. Whereas I think if you'd, you know, again, I think if you use Richard Dreyfuss, I think, and, and did it from the angle of he's always scared and he's terrified, I think you'd be thinking, well, he's not going to escape. He's so terrified to do yeah, anything. And, yeah. and he's also thinking, can I physically do anything? Because yeah, I love... She's, you know, the, the character, the, the Annie character, I mean, obviously you see her, like, drag him off and the things yeah, she does. Yeah. She, you know, she's not someone you can mess with. Because he, he, he sees John in film, he does... He, he like, starts lifting the typewriter Because he knows he has to be strong yeah. to take it down. I just think it's a... It's, it, the relationship between them two is absolutely amazing. How he plays it. Mm-hmm. And I was reading another review that said it's, it's, a, it's a cat and mouse. And I'm like... That's a really good way that it's like mm-hmm. they were all because like she knew he'd been out because she remember she mentioned about the penguins she's like I know yeah. you've been out so she's like that was just that like oh that the whole relationship I'm gonna bring it in at this point as well and this is where it leads into what a, the reason why I didn't want to do the podcast the overnight is is there any humanity or vulnerability in Annie um. What what do you see from it? What do you see her backstory? Do you see something there? Yeah, I mean, is she completely evil and batshit crazy? Well, the, the, this probably leads into when we're talking about the scenes. So I know we're sort of skipping ahead, but originally in the book, she cuts his foot off with an axe. Right. Okay. It was it was Rob Reiner that sort of pushed back on that and just wanted her to do that. Is it called the hobbling? Hobbling. The hobbling. I, I, because I, he, my stomach goes whenever I think about it. And I think, um, I can't remember who one of the producers was that was on the film. He he, he thought she could have, should have cut the foot off and then once he'd seen it, he agreed because what the thought was, if she cuts his foot off, all the audience will think she's purely evil. Yes. I'm not saying what she doesn't do to him is already evil, but it's like that's like that yeah. next level, isn't it? Um, because in the book, he gets the end, at the end, he's got a prosthetic foot and yeah. um, he's walking with a cane. I don't know the backstory, and they, and they, they, they try and go into it in, the, in one of the spin-off series. Clearly, some, something's happened to her, isn't it, when she's That's, a lot younger. Yeah. But I do think she's evil. Oh, oh. Yeah. I do think all the crimes she's got away with, because we see the paper cutting, cuttings yeah. of, a, of you know, you know, kids dying in hospitals and... Um, she sort of, it seemed like she was getting away in like technicalities, wasn't yeah. it? I think she lives alone in the woods because she can't be around people. And obviously, she's in. So, do in you think papers. she's aware she's evil? Do I think what, sorry? Do you think she's aware she's evil? Oh, no, I think she's absolutely batshit. Okay, so it's interesting because this week and where I've done, because of my job role, We've done two days of safeguarding training, hmm. and I've got to say it was really heavy. Like, I came so out. So, just explain to the listener what 
Safeguarding. Safeguarding is anything to do with raising concerns for treatment of vulnerable people and or children. So the profession I'm in, we come into contact with vulnerable people and children. So you've got to be aware of potential dangers or signs. And, and it's all about trying to read between the lines and, you, you know, and part of the train and it was really heavy so and i came home on thursday and i said to you i said i wasn't the headspace to do a <laughs> podcast about misery because i was just like really it really got to me this training and not because the trainer the girl the, the lady that did it was absolutely amazing she was an absolute world-class expert in her field mm. which made it so engaging but oh my god i came like i was really like it really it it stays mm. it's it, it took it took it out of me so it wasn't but but we were talking about and the one of the exercises she gave us these ten scenarios and it was all about can you and you were very vague in detail but it's about how you can be critical and trying to pick out red flags and stuff like that and I'm thinking God Annie was a red flag from <laughs> you, do you know what I mean she was like there was. Mm. safeguarding concerns should have been raised God, but obviously it's, it's you know back in previous times in America and all that but it just made me start thinking because we had all these scenarios and the worst exercise she gave us she gave us these 10 exercises these 10 scenarios she said rate them from seriousness from 1 to 10 so we spent all like we couldn't do it as a group and then she turned around the train and said they're all 10 because they all ended up in, in death. And she went for, these were all real cases, but she right. changed her name. So as it's so easy to miss what you think, because you, you bring bias to judgments mm. and stuff. And it was just like loads of things you miss. And obviously one of the big ones we looked at was how they miss healthcare professions. There's a history of healthcare professions who don't make people better, shall mm. we say, <laughs> go down your route and thing. And obviously that's what, that's where Annie's history came from. But the long story, another thing we learned was about this quite often in perpetrators of, of, of gruesome violence is there was, as a result of trauma, the, the growth stops emotionally at that point of trauma, if that makes mm. sense. So if something happens in your childhood or early, early teens, part of your emotion that part of your brain that regulates emotion stunts can't grow so you have trouble processing and it just made me think them couple of scenes of Annie she was very childlike remember when she yeah. was she and I was like there was things there like when he says he's going to do the going to let her read the book and yeah stuff like and when she came in misery's alive misery's mm. alive and all these things and I was just like little moments like bef if I hadn't done the safeguarding training I would have been yeah she's bash crazy she's evil but I just found it more interesting coming back after you have a bit more empathy forward did you and I think I do yeah and I just think and and another scene that really stood out was where she took real offence to when she was tricked by the remember she said she went to used to go see the Saturday morning films yeah and you thought the guy died but she he wasn't mm. he jumped out and he Anger at being tricked in something was happening made me think there's red flags. Do you know what? Mm. I just find it really interesting. I was like, I'd love, like I said, I don't know if Stephen King 
went into it because he does have a Stephen King universe. I'd maybe, but I'm just too scared. <laughs> just, I don't know. But yet it just, uh, it just seems quite fitting this week. We've done the safe garden training, and I, and I really, I've been thinking about the Annie, Annie character from a slightly different perspective. Right. And again, it, but it makes it the film. I think I've made it even more. Enjoyable. To give you a different angle, hasn't it? Yeah, but no, she still scares shit out of me. So, moving on, we think we've already mentioned a few moments and scenes, but what is your favourite moment or scene in the film? So, a couple of scenes. I think it is when Paul gets out the room for the, the first time. Oh. It's one of my favourites. It's just so tense. Yeah, you know, he yeah. uses the, the hairpin, doesn't he, to yeah. open the door. And he's gone around the house. I love those tense scenes in any movie. Oh, I don't. I can't do it, Dave. That, that's what I, I do enjoy. Like I say, I don't enjoy the realistic violence, but I do like a really good tense scene of like... It's like um, Kevin Costner's No Way Out. That to me is like 90 minutes of just pure like oh, no. tense. Like, what's going to happen? I love that scene. But you can't not talk about the sledgehammer to the ankle scene. It's... It's worse than I remember, to be honest. And I know you don't, you only see the, is it the left she hits first? You don't yeah. see the right, it's on Paul's face. But it's as bad, it's, sorry, it's worse than I remembered. Because I haven't seen the movie for a long, a long, long time. So I'd probably blanked it out. I'd probably pushed that scene way back. So when she actually did it, and you see his his fuck gone, was it's like, it's oh, the angler way oh. flops over. Oh, it's it's, it's it's. I think it's worse. I actually do think that's worse than an axe to the foot. Oh, 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 all day because long. you see that all the time yeah, in films, yeah, don't yeah. you? It's I almost think, like we've been desensitized. Game of Thrones has probably desensitized us to a lot of <laughs> a lot of sorts of violence and stuff. But I just think that particular scene is the scene that everyone. Knows the film and again, for. you've got to mention it, haven't you? Isn't it like it's another world, it's another scene that transcends cinema from a Rob Reiner film? So we've mm. got we've got these moments in when Harry met Sally, Can't but the, the truth they transcend film or cinema because everyone knows about you know, it's been parodied, it's been skit, it's been laughed at, you know, just you know. <laughs> Yeah, they are cinema moments. Yeah, they? yeah, and again, it's another, it's another. Mm. Rob, Rob Reiner just throws them out like they were nothing. <laughs> I've got is that your is that your favorite? Yeah, room? I just it was just them two really. Paul, Paul going around the house and the sledgehammer scene. I think are the two standout scenes. I, I would agree with that. But a couple of little moments I picked out and probably, I picked this one out because I clung on to it because it was doing a light relief in the film, Buster and Virginia. The bit where he comes in and she's on the phone because oh, I have no idea where it is. Probably I was having an affair. And comes in and, <laughs> and then he, he he someone's on the phone and he goes. He's obviously saying, "Well, you know, if you put a bench outside your store and people sit on it, I can't come round and tell them." And I just think that's a great scene. And then you know, it's, their relationship is fascinating. Mm. I I love them too in it. But my favorite bit is where they have the meal. And when she knocks the wine glass over with the, with the, with the medicine in, oh, his to... face. Because what we don't grasp, I don't think, in the movie is the the length of time it's taken for him to do. How yeah. many pills? Because I know he, yeah. he does steal a packet of pills, doesn't he? But I don't think it comes across. Maybe it does, but to me anyway, it didn't come across how long he'd had to wait. from yeah. from How long was it from when he got those pills to when he put the, the, um, the powder in the glass? Yeah. Oh, like... 
the look on like <laughs> the acting so just tell, the, for the listener if they haven't seen it just like tell me what he's trying to do so basically he's mixed he's got all the powder from the painkillers and he waits he sends it out to get something doesn't he and as she goes out he pours the the tablet powder into the and he stays glass and she comes back and she goes to pick the glass up to go cheer but she knocks the glass over and it's just the the camera stays on James Khan's face the whole time mm. and it's just you can literally see the life at that moment does drain out of him completely and you think I don't know where he, you almost think I don't know where he goes from here mm. He put almost the perfect plan in place. Yeah. And he is literally one second away from seeing that plan work. Yeah. It's 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 gruesome. And just one other one other note of seeing mm. the pronunciation of Don Perignon. <laughs> just <laughs> I didn't get onto that. It's absolutely it amazing because um, that's his that's his thing mm. is when he finishes his book yeah. he has a glass of Don Perignon. But when he goes, you know, you and she's like, yes, you have a glass of Dom Perignon, because that's... <laughs> but it only tickles me because I'm a little bugger for mispronouncing words, names. And I read somewhere that you shouldn't, shouldn't laugh at people and mispronounce words like that because you've learned them from reading them, not from pronouncing them. Mm. And you're trying as well, aren't yeah, you? Well, she was trying, wasn't she? Thanks, Dave. Yeah, I am. <laughs> I was talking about Annie. I was giving Annie a compliment. <laughs> She's learned what, what, you know, what he likes to do. Yeah. She's made that effort, so it is a bit harsh to go, well, you've mispronounced it wrong. Because his face, when she said that, yeah. you can always see and go, for the character. <laughs> Love it. Right then, Dave, what about music in Misery? So we've already mentioned Mark Shaman, who did the score for A Few Good Men. He did When Harry Met Sally. This is obviously a completely different type of film yeah. for him, never mind Bob Viner, because I was looking and he's recently done, like, Mary Poppins Returns. Okay. He also did uh, Sleepers in Seattle as well. So it's a, I think the score is great. Yeah. And, it, and it's even more impressive coming from him, who does... It adds to the tension. Yeah, he does it? all these light-hearted movies and then to be brought in by Bob Viner and told to do this. Um, exceptional work and he's obviously a big fan of Liberace so there's a couple of his songs that are played on the records in the background but not not a lot of like known artists or other things it's just the score and these ah what's the song right at the start with James Caan in the the Mustang and he's driving down the hill there's a boss song on at the start can't remember anyway We'll come back to it. If remember, it's a great song. That's 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 the bit I'm trying to remember. I didn't write it down when I wrote my notes as well. What would you change in misery? So there's a couple of things, and maybe you can fill in the gaps here. Buster, who's the sheriff, he's reading the books, isn't he? He's trying to find clues, and in the film, he just happens to write down this quote. That I've really got that likes. exact that that's my bit as well. So you're not gonna fill in the gaps here. No. And then he then he goes to the library. So basically, listen, he, he to to research because Paul's gone missing, he thinks I'm gonna read his books and maybe I can give get some insight into yeah, his yeah, head. Because yeah. you know, because at this point they don't they, know if he's just ran, yeah, He could have yeah. ran away yeah, yeah. But he, as he as he killed himself, what whatever it is. We just know that he's you know he's missing. So he writes this, he really likes this sort of quote that he sees and he writes it down later on in the movie, goes to the library, he's researching and he finds all the articles about Annie and Annie has used one of the quotes from the book and that's when he goes, oh, Annie knows Paul and is a big fan of his books and it's a 
very loose threads. Do you know what? Do you know where I think the error was? When Buster reads the line and makes a point of of highlighting it, because he writes on a post-it mm. note, doesn't he? Whereas, it would have it would have made more sense to me. All I would still would have been a bit of a leap if he just read all the books, and then when he goes back and he reads the newspaper, he sees that quote and he's like, "Hang on a minute," and then he goes back and finds yes. the book and goes, "Oh my God, that." Get the link. That was almost like the backwards way around to getting the link. Mm. That I had exactly the same plot, error, point. It just, it was just a bit. It was a, it was a small thread that he found, and yeah. I just think the way you've described it is the better way to have done. Yeah, it, it, that it should have linked. Back I could to, have seen him running back to the office, going through all yeah. the books, and I've read it somewhere, I've read it somewhere, and, he, and they're frantically trying to find that quote in the mm. book. Instead of linking the books to the news articles, they yeah. should have linked the news article back to the books. That's yeah. absolutely the, the better way to do it. There's a slight continuity error in one of the scenes. There always is in a Rob Reiner film. Sorry, Rob. She's feeding them soup, and it's like a brown bowl of soup. But then she gets upset and she spills it, and it's like this orange, thicker soup that she gets on the bed. And I was like, well, a minute ago, it was like this brown... Just dishwater. It looked like old dishwater, and I was like, I was like, part of me thinks though, you've obviously got those people that work on the movies, don't you? And look for those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's their job. And part part of me thinking is, is this sort of intentional there that we maybe seen it from Paul's mind because you know he's tired and he's 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 engine still. But it was just so odd to just go. I... She's got this brown bowl of soup, and then she spills it a second later, and it's orange and it's thick, and you're like. Is that in, is that intentional to mess with our heads I'd, or I'd, not? <laughs> I must admit, I I read the thing on IMDb that has lists all the continuity mistakes because I've noticed that there is it is a there seems mm. to be a thing with Rob Ryan Hamilton, and I think it comes down to, and I've said this before when he's filming, he likes to go for the feel of the take, as in. He's not too bothered about the tiny little details because there's loads of little things in, in all his films you could once you go and notice them. Like there's one bit of misery where you know when she makes him burn the original manuscript mm. of the book, it sets the the net the curtains on fire and she just goes over and starts hiding up. But I, I'm sure, I think you see the, the it's still on fire behind. There's something no lately weird, yeah. like there's loads of little loads of little things. I think it's just down to A I think Rod Ryan is really good at making films at quite a good budget, so therefore he, he goes at a pace. And mm. I think actors quite like that because they get to, they're not sat around as much to get to act. So I think there's positives to that. We just like to keep moving. There could be an issue with continuity production because you're just moving so quick. But I think he's just like, it doesn't, it, it was. The moment mm. was right, so it didn't. It didn't. And, and to be honest, I'm not one of those that watches no, those. Um, yeah. You no, know, like you see them on YouTube, people go like top ten mistakes in Marvel yeah. movies. Or I don't. I don't watch it's, all them. If I notice one, I am. I'm, unless it's something which we've had before, which takes me out the movie. Yeah, which we we've mentioned a few times on that can happen. Yeah. That the the worst one for that was I and I, I forgot to mention it when we were talking about one of the previous films when I went to see Saul on the cinema. When it first came out, which is like a long time ago, do you know when you go to the cinema and they bring down the uh, the top bit of the screen comes down? Yeah, I was in um, Edge Lane once. Remember the old was it the View? When she saw and they didn't bring that down. And there's a scene in the movie where like the two guys are talking 
and the guy with the boom mic is on top of like the wardrobe. Ah. But because they didn't bring the thing down, you could see him. And it just took me out. It just ruined yeah. the whole, like, not the whole movie, but the whole scene was like, where's the guy with the microphone? Because, because people started laughing in the audience. Yeah. So mistakes like that where it takes me out, I I, I will pick up on and, and yeah, get annoyed. Yeah. But stuff like that one, it was, that was just a bit... The, the, to the me, art, it was just like, a, oh, the soup's changed colour. Yeah. But I wasn't like, well, this is ridiculous. This is, this Let's is, turn yeah. this off. I'm going to leave a terrible review on, yeah. on fucking... Rotten Tomatoes right on the internet it's to, awful. to kick off. Yeah, it is. I that the the, the bit you, you said about the quote, and I've got the quote here, there is a judge higher that of man. I will be judged by him. That's the line, mm. isn't it? Yeah, I thought it was it was always much better. It was a bit cackhounded the way it was dealt with. The one thing I I had an issue with was no way could Annie pull him out of the car, hoist him up over his <laughs> and walk through two foot of snow up a hill over the shoulder. Because you see it over the shoulder. She's deceptively strong, though, I, I um, think. Yeah. No, I'm not having that. Not having Maybe that. she should have had a sled or something and pulled him away. No, she could have gone on the car onto a sled and, I think, potentially pulled him back. Maybe, but just to throw him, get him out the car over the shoulder and yeah. you see her start walking. I'm like, nah. But does that then add to the fact that, like... The mystery around her, not just the evilness, but of is she quite physically strong? So yeah. that's why, again, I think you needed the James Khan yeah. character because I think if it had been a Richard Dreyfus and Richard Dreyfus attacked her, I think she'd have beat the shit out of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she just like absolutely. Especially she's got no legs to use. Yeah. She'd, have bat- she'd have battered him. I love Richard Dreyfus, but I think it would have. I think Kathy Bates would kick his ass. Like, yeah, yeah, just for a laugh as well. Like, <laughs> I think she would literally just bully him on set as well, just for a just for the crack. <laughs> okay, then moving on to next question, which is impact and legacy of misery. So it grossed ten million on its open weekend, and it was second to Home Alone, which obviously was oh, a huge yeah. hit. It did go on to make sixty-one million. Apparently, and I only found this out today, and I don't know why we've never discussed this before. There's a Broadway version. It was out in twenty fifteen with Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis, yeah. Bruce yeah, Willis yeah. as Paul, Laurie Metcalf, who we know from yeah. Roseanne. She's yeah. Sheldon's mum, Big Bang Fay. And there's clips of it. You can watch it. I don't know if you can watch the full thing on YouTube. But how did I not know Bruce Willis was in a Broadway play doing Misery? God, I would have like, yeah. I'd have found a way to go to that, to be honest. No, I, I only read I'd sold a kidney. When, sold a kidney. <laughs> sold your left foot. Yeah. Oh, I'd have loved to have seen Bruce on stage. Especially, obviously, now we know what's happening with, with, Apparently, with Bruce Apparently, he, he wasn't. Apparently got panned as a theatre actor. Don't care. It's Bruce. Don't care. It's Bruce. It is. What about anything else you'd think about? Yeah, so Annie as a character is also in the Castle Rock TV series, which sadly got it got cancelled after two seasons. I thought it was really good. Lizzie Kaplan, who was also a new girl with O'Brien, she plays the younger Annie Wilkes. It is set in that Stephen King universe. Because Castle Rock is also where Shawshank Prison is. Yes. Um it makes references in the Castle Rock TV series to Stand By Me as well. Okay. It's a really good series, like I say, only only two seasons, but I'd like to have seen a bit more of that with, more, with, with Annie. Yeah. That might have filled in a little bit more. Yeah. Because I imagine what you could have done was the last episode of... Her last episode could have been the start of Misery. Maybe, which yeah. It would have been really good. I, I think, for me, it's the Oscar for Kathy Bates. I just think mm. it's just a phenomenal performance. And I think 
and also what I mentioned before that 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 flipping of the gender roles in 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 that type of scenario with that type of film really was just I don't think it had really been done that explored no. that much before. So I think fair play to Rob Ryan, and obviously it's 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 a Stephen King novel. Um, to me, yeah, that that's that's the uh, legacy for me, right, Dave. I was gonna say t- time of the lights, but we can't because it's 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 only twelve o'clock. It, need a drum roll, don't I we? I know we needed Kenny. Get the drums, mate. Come on, <laughs> yeah. Right, Dave. This is your quick fire round. I'm going to give you five questions. I'm going to give you two seconds to answer. I must take your first answer. No confirming with Kenny. Kenny, turn around, face the wall. Okay, Dave. Scary movie or a comedy? A comedy. Worst scary moment in a film? The old lady in the shine in the shower. Would you go down to the basement on your own if you heard something? I've got a cellar, so yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm not one of them. Not like stop. I'd be like, I want to know what it is, or I'd, I'd tell Donna to go first, maybe. But no, no. I, I think if you've got a cellar, you think there's no way anyone can get in anyway. Fine. And that's your first mistake, Dave. That's I your know. first mistake. That'll be on my watch, isn't it? Head tombstone, won't it? <laughs> there was someone in the fucking cellar. Yeah. <laughs> the quote. The quote will just be. He said no one can get in that cellar. <laughs> <laughs> book or a film I'm going to go with a film because I've been quite lazy with books yeah. in the last few years I'm, I'll be I'm honest hit and miss of books as well last question who would you say you're their number one fan Mo Salah I didn't go for me <laughs> Right, onwards and upwards. Dave, where can our beautiful, lovely listener watch Misery? Why would they want to watch Misery? That's the question. Like, what? why? Because it's just... I had to watch it because of the podcast. I would never choose to watch it again. Really? Do you not think it's a good film, though? It's amazing. <laughs> it's literally... It's amazing. But... Okay, well, you you love your horror films and these type of films. Is it, is it an exceptional example of... See, it comes back to our sense that I don't really class it as a horror. It's not horror, horror. But to me, it's, it's not a horror it's a, film. It's is it a thriller? It's a psychological. Yeah, for me, a horror film is a, is that slash and is scream and yeah. and those type where I think you you're expecting you, you know there's a murder and you know yeah. horrible things are going to happen. With this, it's all sort of contained to the last what yeah. five ten minutes really where. Yeah. It's all it's a psychological thriller up to that point where you have no idea what's going on. I mean. I imagine in the day when it came out, unless you'd read the book, if you just went straight into the cinema and we've talked about this, haven't we? No trailers and that. Yeah, yeah. You would just be thinking, okay, she's a little bit crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And probably what's going to happen is the sheriff's going to turn up. The sheriff's going to shoot her and everything will end happily ever after. But when the sheriff... I think there's one of the most shocking moments is when the sheriff gets shot, yes. isn't it? And it's her reaction to when she just comes walk towards him with the gun and say, cool, as a cucumber. Mm. And I'm just like, oh. But I couldn't find any way you could watch it for free. Okay. So it's you... on all your streaming platforms, your usual ones, your Amazon. £3.49 to rent it yeah, for 24 hours. Yeah, I think hours one of them was like 7 99 or can't which one. So 
look shop around if you're gonna yeah, yeah, if you're gonna definitely. watch it. Yeah. All right, then we always have at this point. If you like misery, what else would you like? I'm gonna go first on this one, and the theme I've gone with is female villains. I think it's very apt for this week. So, a really good one to begin with. Sarah Michelle Gellar, Cruel Intentions. That's a great film, yeah. I, I just love her performance mm-hmm. and that. Angelica Houston and the Witches scares the shit out of me still. I don't think I've ever watched it again since oh, I was a kid because yeah, it's terrible. That, yeah, that, yeah. Th- that's the equivalent of what you're saying with Misery. As in, like, you don't want to watch it. You know, yeah. it's a good, really good film. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. don't watch it. And The Witches, I know it's a really good film. Now, I've mm. seen the, watch the remake, the updated one. Yeah. It's it's okay. But it's not, it's, it's Angelica Houston. Yeah, but is... I've never gone back and watched, yeah, yeah. watched the original. <laughs> Glenn Close, Fatal Attraction. That was huge in the day, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. The whole bunny boiling stuff, yeah. yeah. Natalie Portman, The Black Swan, I think is a really intense film. It is, but I just don't like that film, you know. It didn't. It didn't. Oh, I couldn't I, take to it at all. I really, all. I really enjoyed it. But I appreciate she is a that is a really good uh, choice. Sharon Stone, Basic Instinct. Yeah, again, huge, wasn't it when it came out? One of the moments. Now I've got the character, Cruella Deville. Now mm. you could go with the Betty Lou Gerson from the original cartoon, mm. Glenn Close in the the remake, and the Emma Stone version. I just think any of them performances are yeah. absolutely brilliant. And I just think Cruella de Vil is just one of the greatest characters in cinema history. I've also got Lena Hadley, Cersei, from Game of Thrones. Oh, good one, yeah. She was, oh, she was, oh, she was a wrong one. Jodie Comer, Bill Nell, from Killing Eve. Yeah, great choice, yeah. It accents a billion, aren't they? Oh, she's amazing. She's only down road from us as well, Jodie. Should we go now? Go tell her that she's in the episode, yeah. Yeah. Louise Fletcher, who plays Nurse Ratchet. Ratchet, Ratchet, yeah. In One Flew's Cookiness. You just, you remember her more than the film, don't you? It's just. If if I was doing the quick fire round, one of the questions I did put down, but I wasn't sure how well you'd seen, uh, sorry, how well you knew One Flew's Cookiness, because it might have been on time. But I was going to ask you, who would you rather have a look after you? Annie or Nurse Ratchet? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> That is a good... And I think I can only end on the worst of the lot. Ooh, who? Rachel McAdams from Mean Girls. <laughs> <laughs> good one, good one. Take that. So, Dave, what are your choices? So, if you like Misery Listener, what else would you like? Well, I've gone with just sort of two themes. So, I've, I've got I moved away from kind of like films that are specific, like... Like Misery, like, you know, if you like Misery, you'll definitely like this. I've just gone with a couple of themes of films with very few characters. Interesting. Yeah, it is very claustrophobic. Very claustrophobic. Cast, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. You know, a lot of the, probably what, 90% of that movie is either yeah. just them two or them on their own or whatever. So Cast Away with Tom Hanks. Great, yeah. Again, apart from him and Wilson, it's pretty much Tom Hanks for the whole movie, isn't it? You ever seen Locke with Tom Hardy? No, I know which one is. One is in the car, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, it's really good. It's the whole film is just filmed from literally the the bonnet of the car with with Tom Hardy on the phone to various different people. And like his life's in the middle of a free fall. He's getting divorced and stuff. He's, 
Do you want me to, are you going to watch it? I won't I, tell you that. No, yeah, I am. I do want to watch it, yeah. I won't so, tell you that. Yeah. I won't tell you what the story and is. And I think it's for one of the few actors who actually pull it off, Tom Hardy as well. Yeah, it's it's pretty much gripping for like, I think it's only on for maybe 90 minutes, yeah. but he's the only actor in the whole yeah. whole film. Shallow Grave. Yes. Uh, from 1994. I mean, the, the majority of that is just those three main characters, but there's some couple of people come coming in, in and out. I know there's quite a few characters at the start, but Alien in the 1979 yes. yeah. version, yeah, Scorny yeah. Reaver obviously takes over the rest of that 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 movie. Phone booth from 2002, Colin Farrell. Never seen it. I've never seen it. It's no. really good. Yeah. So Kiefer Sutherland is the voice on the phone, and the majority again of that film is just Colin Farrell in the booth. There is things going on on yeah, the yeah, outside, yeah. but it's very sort of claustrophobic. It's all all about him. I've gone with films with shocking endings. Yeah. Because Misery does have that shocking ending, yeah, doesn't definitely. it? That that scene, I totally forgot how violent that scene is when they actually have the fight and, oh, you know, he's, he's hit her with the typewriter yeah. and hits her with the, is it the pig, isn't it? Is yeah. It the, the... And he tries to shut down the bin and paper yes, down in mouth. all of yeah, that. Yeah. I just, and again... He, and in eyes, he pushes it, it forms yeah. her eyes as well, doesn't he? I think I blanked out a lot of some of that Violence, to be honest. But, you know, that is trauma. That's, yeah, that's... <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, Shock and Ending 7. Yes, 1995, obviously, the, the scene with um, Kevin Spacey and Brad Pitt in the box is, is one of the most famous endings. A film I'm not sure you'll have seen. Um, it's Stephen King again, The Mist. No. Oh, so, The Mist ending. Should we talk about it? No. Are you ever going to watch it? No. I'm going to just tell you that. No, no, no. I'm gonna tell you. <laughs> I'm scared of just the tile, the mist. So you can you can fast forward if you want listening, you've never seen it. So in the mist, like basically all these creatures have taken over the like the majority. I don't know if it's the planet, but certainly America, all these massive monsters and little ones like, basically attacking everyone. So at the end of the film, um the the dad I I can't remember the guy who, who, who plays him now. It, it, I can picture him, his name's just totally forgotten. He's based in the car with a, with a few people he met, and I think it's his son. And basically all hope's lost, that the mist has taken over, there's monsters, there's no escape, basically, what do you do? So he's got a gun, and he kills everyone in the gun, in the car, sorry, with the gun. And he goes to kill himself, and the army all turn up, and all the army come to rescue them. Oh man! Yeah, but he's killed everyone in the car park. And he, he was, he's seconds away from killing himself, and it's one of the most like shocking endings you'll ever see. It's just, oh, it's just. I don't even know what to, what where to go after that, Dave. Yeah, so that... I'm never going to watch that anyway. <laughs> Usual Suspects, 1995. Obviously, again, Kevin Spacey twist ending again. Infinity War. Yes. I think the Thanos snap is one of the most famous, yes. like, just shocking endings of Yeah, we, we walked, I remember we walked out of cinema in silence. I know, I never seen it with you, did I? No, No, I didn't. was away and that, you, so you'd seen it and I rushed back to see it. And, yeah. And it was just the hush over the, the cinema when I was there. It was probably exactly the same when yeah. you were there. Yeah, yeah. And then the last one then is Empire Strikes Back, the whole, you know, I'm your father. That's oh, I've seen. Well, it's just one of the most shocking scenes in cinema history as well. It is. It's, it is one of their moments. Right, Dave, to celebrate the ending 
of this podcast, we're going to have a glass of Dom Perignon. (laughs) (laughs) Cheers. So, Dave, that was your choice, Misery. Watch it if you can. This was a Watch It If You Can production, executive produced by Kenny, Arval's lad, on work experience. Don't forget to follow, rate and share from wherever you get your podcast from.